0: and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favourite podcast app.
1: Future you will thank you. new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc
0: i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host Harry Simu and on this edition, we're going to continue to react to Arsenal's victory at Ellen Road, but we're also going to be discussing some of the big talking points from the weekend's Premier League action elsewhere. Uh, Looking forward to getting into it, looking forward to continuing to react to what was A victory that's got a lot of people convinced that Arsenal do have the metal to go all the way, that Arsenal have the metal to push Manchester City very far and potentially be there or thereabouts. And I'm talking about at the top of the table come the end of the campaign. Now, me personally, I'm still not there yet. I've got to be honest, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. I think there needs to be greater improvements in certain areas. I think the squad needs bolstering still, if we're to even think about that possibility. But uh, we're going to talk about the positives from yesterday, because there are some positives, despite their performance, particularly in the second half, being not great and you know we struggled. There's there's no getting away from that. But what did it tell us about Arsenal's character? What did it tell us about the resilience that this team have? What did it tell us about some of these individuals and their willingness and desire to fight for the cause and fight for the show? How much of that can we read into? We'll get into all of that today on this live edition of the show. If I could just ask before we dive right into it, please leave a like on the video. If you're joining us via YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you're joining us via YouTube. But if you are listening wherever you get your podcast, make sure you are subscribed there and make sure you leave us uh, a nice comment and a review as well. Right. How am I feeling sort of 24 hours on after the Arsenal game? We, we brought you the post-match reaction podcast in which I was very... Um, honest I thought about how Arsenal played particularly in that second period I talked at length about the issues that Leeds United caused us and I've, I've watched the game back again since and I've tried to kind of look at it through calmer eyes you know from a, a different viewpoint a more detached viewpoint now that when you know the result you can kind of take uh the uh the emotion out can't you and you can watch the game for what it is and I tried to figure out what changed so dramatically in the second half that led to us struggling in the way we did in comparison to the first half where, okay, Leeds had their moments, but so did we. And we looked much more comfortable in possession and we looked much more able to sort of threaten them. We looked like we were the better side of the two overall. I don't think we made enough clear-cut chances. I think that's clear. But we still looked like the better side. We still looked like the most likely for large periods in that first half. But in the second half, we couldn't lay a glove on Leeds United. And that's the harsh truth of it. You know, they were that good. We were that poor. So we got to break it down and we got to try and work out why it is that things dramatically changed in the second half. So I was watching the game back and I talked in the instant reaction show about, or the post-match podcast, I should call it, whatever you want to call it. But I talked about The fact that I felt that Leeds' press was a lot more aggressive in the second period than it was in the first, that we struggled even more so to play out from the back in the second half than we did in the first. So what changed? Well, I don't think what Arsenal were trying to do changed at all. I don't think there was any uh, instruction from Mikel Arteta at the break, um, sort of telling his players or advising his players or guiding his players to you know, abandoned what they'd been doing previously, what they've done all season to very, very good effect. I think this was genuinely Leeds being that good that we just struggled to carry out what it was that we were looking to do and what we were aiming to do. I think in the first half, they were quite happy for the centre-backs to have the ball. They were quite happy for them to get on the ball. and, And what they were looking to do was shut out those passing lanes to the likes of Thomas Partey, who every time he got the ball was... Uh, you know, swarmed around by a bunch of white shirts. And I thought they triggered their press uh, at times when we moved the ball out to the fullbacks as well. So it felt like Leeds were quite happy to concede possession in in one particular area, the area occupied by, uh, I was going to say fullbacks, but I mean centre-backs. And once we tried to progress things further, they would step in and they would try to be aggressive and they try and get in and amongst us and they try and win the ball back. But in the second half, they took it all up a level the press begun with our centre-backs. The press found itself knocking on Aaron Ramsdale's door at times as well. And that's because Leeds were trailing. Leeds needed to be more aggressive. Leeds needed to force the issue more than they had done in the first half, up until, of course, Bukayo Saka's goal. And we just couldn't live with it. You know, you watch it back again. I don't think I've ever seen William Saliba look so uncomfortable on the ball at centre-back. I think, I, You know, Tom Yasu playing at left back, as I talked about yesterday, I don't think was the right decision in hindsight. Easy to say that with hindsight. I acknowledge that his performance against Liverpool was that good that you can almost forgive Mikel Arteta for taking that decision and making that decision uh, going into yesterday's game. But, you know, there was there was a a real struggle. You know, there was a real struggle to get our game going and leads to their credit did everything to disrupt our rhythm, everything to disrupt our flow, and they did it all to great effect, then you've got to praise them for that. You've got to give them a lot of credit for that. I mentioned Thomas Partey. They didn't allow him to get on the ball and dictate the game in the way that he likes. They didn't allow Gabby Martinelli to isolate the fullback. He was very often, as soon as he got the ball, surrounded by two, three players at times. And the same could be said on the other side. Of Bukayo Saka. Now, that doesn't happen just because Jesse March has, you know, identified those players as threats. That happens because Leeds put everything into it, their heart and soul into it. And, you know, just like when we came away from Old Trafford and we were beaten, I was sitting here and I was talking about how frustrating it was and how we had to be positive about the performance at the very least and how Arsenal deserved a lot of credit that day, despite actually coming away empty handed and with zero points. And so if I was going to take that stance that day, it's only fair that I don't sit here and pretend that Arsenal were the better side yesterday and that I don't sit here and pretend that Arsenal deserved all three points. I think we found a way in the end. We ground it out. There was certainly a bit of luck on our part as well. There's no question about that whatsoever. But as Mikel Arteta described it post-match, we found a way to win. And when you can do that, it's a good sign. But you keep performing like that. You keep playing like that. It's the same thing I say about Spurs. It's the same thing I say about a lot of teams. If you can't maintain a certain level of performance, you'll only be able to coast by on the odd occasion. You know, on any given day, we lose that game yesterday. You know, on any other day, we get beaten by a very strong, very spirited Leeds United side. But instead, we... Found a way. And as I say, we rode our luck at times, but we got there. And what does that do for the morale? Is that a bigger morale boost than going there and winning 2 0? Probably. Probably because it starts to make you feel an air of invincibility. You know, that it makes you feel that even when we're not playing at our best, we don't need to panic. We don't need to stress because we can still impact the game and we can still find a way through this. And I think that's what you know, you get from days like that, that valuable experience that tells you that even when you're not at your brilliant best, you can ride through storms, that you're all in it together as a group. And if you do fight together, the chances are you probably come through it with a decent result and you probably come through it with what you're looking for. Let's go over to the chat. Let's say a few hellos. Uh, Let's say hello to Vlad, who says, good afternoon, Harry, and all you gooners. Really happy with that win, all things considered. That was always going to be one of the toughest away games all season. So I'm really pleased to get all three. Uh, big hello to clock and Seb, uh, to James Bond, uh, to uh, Jaya, who says, no one wants to accept how much better we are now. The team's growing collectively and Gabriel is a better defender than he was last year. Uh, Steve says miles too soon to talk about titles. In my opinion, I'm just enjoying the ride. You and me both, mate. Um, O Session says, first time catching the show live. Uh, Great job, love from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, Shout out to you, mate. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Kandale says, Arsenal will win matches. Um, Yeah, look, we're winning them. (laughs) We're winning them at the moment. Nine out of the first 10. You can't complain, can you? Uh, Jason says, afternoon, lads. Glad I couldn't watch that game. My nerves wouldn't have been able to handle it. I tell you what, that was as stressed as I've been during an Arsenal game for a long, long time. That second half was brutal. And um, it was interesting as well, because those of you based in the UK will know that the game wasn't televised. It wasn't televised here. You couldn't find it um, on any UK channel. You couldn't find it on a British channel. And uh, I went round to um, a relative's house to watch the game on a foreign channel. And I sat down and I was watching it. But obviously with a lot of these things, The game was obviously, or or the stream, is Is that what you call it? The the pictures, the the broadcast was a few seconds behind, Um, maybe a bit longer than that, maybe close to a minute. And so what I decided to do during the game was obviously the last thing you want is someone texting you or calling you or tweeting you or whatever. And then it spoils what's happening in the game. So I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I put it on the other side of the room and I just focused on the game. But when it got to stoppage time, after the whole Gabrielle incident with Patrick Bamford, I couldn't bear to to watch it anymore, knowing that I was behind, knowing that there were people in the world that knew whether we'd got over the line and whether the full-time whistle had gone whilst I was sitting there agonising over things as Leeds were putting the ball in the penalty area. So I went and got my phone and I checked. I checked on my phone to make sure that the game was done and that it had finished 1-0 before it started coming through on my pictures, just because I wanted to save myself of a minute's more stress. It was that bad. It was horrible, horrible, horrible afternoon. Uh, But we got through it. And that feeling, that satisfactory feeling that you get when you come through a game like that, you have to say, um, it is great. And that's why I talk about it maybe potentially being more of a morale boost to the players than had they sort of come through that game unscathed without having gone through the things we'd gone through. Character building, I think is what they call it. Uh, Big hello to Dave, who says, hi, Gunas. Hope everybody's good. Hope you're well, mate. Uh, Guna Colt says, Harry, that game was simple. We were better in the first half and lost our legs completely in the second. And with a team of that tempo, once the legs go, so does the mind. We need depth in January badly. I do think the fitness thing is a big issue. I do think that was a problem. But that's not to say that we've got unfit players or we're not at the level required. It's because of the schedule that we've had to deal with. And I know there are other teams that have been through similar things. But, you know, some of those players have had to play in the Europa League and had to play in the Premier League just days later on more than one occasion. You think about where we were in midweek. We were in the Arctic Circle in Norway against Bodo Glimt. We returned back on Friday. And on Sunday, we've got to travel up to Ellen Road to play a very, very I don't want to say strong because their league position maybe suggests otherwise at the moment. And maybe that's too strong a term, but side that we're always going to be up for it in a ground that is always bouncing and rocking. Um, and you know, when you come back off those European games and particularly the away trips, sometimes it's tricky and it was tricky for us, but we got through it. Um, I do think we need more depth. I, I totally agree. And it's why for me, the title talk is premature. Um, But, you know, if you'd have told me at the start of the season we'd be four points clear now, I would have told you you're mad. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to enjoy it for now at least. Uh, Book Sahar joins us from Abu Dhabi. Big hello to Mike as well. Um, Ricky says, don't think we're getting nowhere near enough credit. Look, we are getting credit from the media, I think, off the back of yesterday's game. All the things I've listened to and been involved in, um, you know, in in the sort of interim have, have been filled with people saying, well, this is a new Arsenal. This is an Arsenal with steel. This is an Arsenal with heart. This is an Arsenal that are no longer a soft touch and a pushover. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with a lot of that. But I think as Arsenal fans, if we don't sit and acknowledge that we were on the par and don't acknowledge that there were problems and don't acknowledge that, you know, we need to do better, then where is that room for improvement? I don't think we can afford to get complacent. Our league position suggests that we're a much better side than we were last year. But we know that if we go on a disappointing run, we could quite easily end up back in a race for the top four. So, you know, we we take it, we enjoy it, we uh, love the success that we're currently having. But I think we also need to remain grounded. And I think looking back on yesterday and, and understanding where it is we went wrong and what leads brought to the table and and the blueprint that Leeds clearly followed and and how we can now work to solve that when we come up against other teams, because you can bet your bottom dollar, Southampton, for example, who we play next in the Premier League um, at St Mary's, will have looked at that game yesterday, will have identified specific things and specific tactics that Jesse Marsh used and will look to try and do similar to us when we go there next weekend. So, you know, people will suss you out and you need to constantly be evolving, you need to constantly be improving. And the only way you can do that is by being honest about where your team's at, honest about the performance that we saw yesterday, honest about where our vulnerabilities are. And I still think there are a few and um, and, and work to improve on those things so that we can hopefully be in a much better position to deal with that next time. Big hello to Lynn as well, who joins us. Uh, Steve says it was our worst performance of the season. As long as it's a one-off and not the normal, I'll take it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Clive says the team is back cruising nicely. Uh, Reggie says, Harry, are we worrying about this a bit too much? It's clear that the big games and travel had the team mentally and physically fatigued. Yeah, you know, if this happens again next weekend, then I'll start to be concerned about it, Maybe. And I'll start to look at it as a wider issue. But I agree with you that right now, you know, whilst I'm being critical of the team and I'm critical of of sort of the way we allowed, um, you know, Leeds to to get the upper hand, I don't want to sort of make a bigger thing of it than it really needs to be. But yeah, look, I think we, we have to acknowledge it. We have to understand it. But yeah, you're right. You know, we've had a difficult run. Um, loads and loads of comments and we'll come back to the comments in just a little bit as well. Um, because, uh, there are loads and, uh, I'd love to get through, uh, to as many of them as possible, but I just want to touch on some of the other weekends, premier league action. Cause I think it's important that we do that, you know, seeing as we're on our way to being premier league champions, we kind of need to look at, uh, what's going on elsewhere, because obviously that plays a, a key role in how we do. And the big, big result, from the weekend was in the game between Liverpool and Manchester City. Now, I had a bet on Liverpool early in the week. I looked at some of the odds and I found them at three to one. Liverpool at Anfield, three to one. That was way too big for me. And so I had to jump on it. Um, So I went on and I I placed a a cheeky little wager on, on Liverpool to win the game. And lo and behold, they did. Mo Salah, uh, really stepped up for Liverpool yesterday after a start to the season that has prompted quite a bit of, in my opinion, unfair criticism of the Egyptian. I think he's a fantastic player. He's proven that um, for a number of years now at Liverpool. He's been a real key part of their success, the biggest part of their success under Jurgen Klopp. You have to say his, his goal-scoring record is impeccable. Um, his pace is is frightening. You know, his dribbling ability is is superb. And yesterday, not only did he produce in front of goal for Liverpool and produce the goal that ultimately won them the game, he worked himself into the ground. And, um, you know, you've got to give Liverpool credit because morale would have been low. Confidence would have been low. I know they had a big win in Europe, um, you know, at, um, at Ibrox, but, you know. I mean, that would have lifted some spirits, but, you know, the the level of Rangers in comparison to Manchester City is totally different. They've been beaten in the Premier League last time out by Arsenal. And, you know, you felt that going into this game, City were, were strong favourites. That was reflected in the betting odds, as I say. But, yeah, credit to Liverpool because they worked incredibly hard. Um, players like Joe Gomez played a huge part. Harvey Elliott was very, very good. Um you know, even James Milner had to do a job yesterday. Firmino uh, has been brilliant as well this season. And Liverpool got, um, you know, got what they deserved in the end of it, really and truly. There was one controversial moment in the game. Should there have been uh, a goal allowed for Manchester City, Phil Foden had a goal ruled out. Listen, let's be honest, you know, uh, and, and let's let's say it as it is, I think that the call was correct. I think that, you know, there are people out there that, you know, will say, oh, VAR's ruining football and VAR's killing football. And to a degree, VAR can be incredibly frustrating because there have been decisions made that just give us no confidence in the system off the back of how poor they are and how way off the mark they are. There's been inconsistencies in the way that a lot of these laws and rules are applied. And that drives me flipping mental as well. But, you know, you have to say, that I think there's probably two offences in the build-up to that Manchester City goal. So first up, there's the foul on um, on Fabinho by Harland. If you take it even further back, I think it comes from a corner, uh, the breakaway that is from Manchester City after um, after Edison has made a great save from Mosala. So that's one. The second one is is the Fabinho foul. And the third one is that when you watch the replay, you'll probably find that actually when Erling Haaland, although he was well within his rights to challenge for it, when he does get a toe to the ball, I think you'll find that Alisson had both hands on the ball, which makes that illegal as well. So I think, you know, if City were to have any complaints over that, and I know they did, then, you know, you, you've you got to ask them to take off their uh, blue-tinted glasses because that there's no argument in that for me. It's it's a simple decision um and uh and yeah you know it was it was the right call in the end thanks to var so you know var proving again in the big games that it's needed and, and proving again why we couldn't start the game at leeds without it because um you know can you imagine can you imagine that gabriel was sent off and that penalty stood in this in the last minute can you imagine that patrick bamford was uh was allowed to uh, wheel away in celebration and continue celebrating the goal that he scored right at the start of the second period. So when you think about all of that, you know VAR is necessary now, and we're at a point of no return. I think you couldn't now just switch off VAR; you just couldn't do it um, because of of sort of how much it's been embedded in our game right now. Um, but yeah, look, I think there were some sour grapes from uh, from the City fans. Um, and from some of the city camp as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, Jürgen Klopp said, not Jürgen Klopp, I beg your pardon. Pep Guardiola said, well, this is Anfield. As if to kind of suggest that, you know, that decision or the decision that was taken was was taken purely because it was at Anfield. Look, we can have a debate about that another time. There is a thing, in my opinion, where there are certain grounds and certain teams who have an aura about them that does subconsciously influence officials in giving decisions. Um, in their favour. But at the same time, when the call is right, that's not the time to wheel that out, you know, that criticism or that theory, whatever you want to call it. It's not the time to wheel it out after the VAR has made the correct call. And they did make the correct call. Um, Elsewhere in the Premier League, Chelsea won again. Um, 2-0 win at Aston Villa, a double from Mason Mount. Uh, First, he capitalised on Tyrone Mings' mistake after about six or so minutes. Uh, And then, of course, he scored a cracking free kick in the second half, which was a great free kick. But Emi Martinez should save that. I'm sorry. Like, there were a lot of Arsenal fans who were really upset when he left. And there were a lot of Arsenal fans who insisted for a long time that we made a grave mistake in letting him go. And maybe that argument has some validity and some credence because He's gone on for the most part to be a good goalkeeper, but he's always had mistakes in him. And when you see those mistakes, it reminds you of why he never got to where he wanted to get to at Arsenal in the first place. That free kick from Mason Mount, it moves. okay, it does. But you cannot tell me that any goalkeeper should be beaten in the middle of his goal like that. Shocking, shocking, shocking goalkeeping. I'm sorry. Credit to Mason Mount. Lovely strike on target from that distance. That's what you want as a forward player. You want to work the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper was was all over the shop, in my opinion. There and look, credit to Chelsea because it's another win under Graham Potter, who continues uh, to get you know good things out of this Chelsea side. Was their performance the best yesterday? No, uh, Villa were good for large periods of time as well. But one of the interesting things about Potter at Chelsea is that he's been able to um, he's been able to make a lot of changes in each of the games and still maintain a certain level. I said it on the 90 Min show earlier today, um, which you can check out, by the way, on the 90 Min YouTube channel. I said that he's a bit like a kid at Christmas, right? He's come into a club where he's got loads of options, lots of new toys. And I don't think he really knows what he wants to do with it yet. I think he's still working on it. I think he's still feeling it out. But to be able to keep everybody engaged, everybody on board, everybody on side the way he has whilst making lots of changes, i think is a testament to him as a man and his man management skills we know he's done a is it a, a degree in emotional intelligence i think is the title of it and maybe that's playing a part as well he said as much he said that it's helped him in his ability to um to man manage players um and yeah look i think chelsea fans you know will look at him and and, and be really encouraged by what he's done so far i mean you think about that backline Shalaba. Tiago Silva and Kukurea as a back three. Koulibaly not playing. Aspeliquated not playing. Think about the resurgence of Kepa Aretha Balaga, who was in stunning form yesterday, made a number of really really important saves to deny Aston Villa. You think of where Raheem Sterling played, which at times looked as though he was at right wing back. It's you know you only get that out of your players if if they believe in you and if they trust in you and if your man management skills are on point. And I think Graham Potter, as well as being tactically very good. And, you know, technically very good as a coach. I think he's got that down to a T as well. So fair play to him. Um, We've got a a super chat from uh, Matthias. We'll come back to that in a minute because it's Arsenal related and we're going to circle back to Arsenal in just a moment. Just want to touch on a couple of other results. Uh, Spurs beating Everton by two goals to nil. Lots and lots of debate around whether or not that was a penalty. Um, Jordan Pickford's foul on Harry Kane or what was deemed to be a foul on Harry Kane. What's my take on it? What's my view on it? It is a penalty as far as I'm concerned. But Harry Kane has made an absolute meal out of it. And and that's fine. You know, most players would. What I struggle with is the difference in the coverage when it's the England captain in comparison to someone else. I said to Grizz Khan on the 90 Min show earlier today, if somebody took Harry Kane out of that scenario and replaced him with Luis Suarez, the reaction would have been so, so different. And that's what drives me a little bit mad. It's that there are players that do certain things, that get away with certain things, that show gamesmanship in in a way that lots of others do as well. So it's not to say it's uncommon. It's not to say they're the only ones. But there always seems to be a different reaction depending on who it is and, and depending on the reputation that precedes them. And I feel a little bit sorry for um, some players who over the years have been sort of, branded as divers whilst Harry Kane is either leaning into people and and putting them off balance and causing them problems and or you know throwing himself down pretty easily like he says that you know he he got to the ball first and Pickford took him out I think that's what he said in his interview but did he really take him out was that enough from Pickford to send him flying the way he went personally I think he was already on his way down Look, it is a penalty because it's reckless from Pickford but I just think if somebody else had gone down in that manner Somebody foreign, for example, um, you know, a Spanish player, an Italian player, we would have heard about how this is something that we don't want to allow in our English game, et cetera, et cetera. So I think um, I think that's the frustration for a lot of people. Uh, Crystal Palace held Leicester to a 0-0 draw at the King Power Stadium. Another frustrating afternoon for Brendan Rodgers' side. And Patrick Vieira's side may have felt that they probably should have got more out of that. Uh, Manchester United held to a draw by Newcastle at Old Trafford. And when you think that they've got uh, both Spurs and Chelsea coming up, you'd have felt that Newcastle at home was the kind of game in which Manchester United, if they're going to keep pace um, with the, uh, the the teams right at the top of the pile, you'd have thought that they'd have got three points from that and they they weren't able to do so. All right, let's circle back to Arsenal uh, just before we uh, we round up the show. And let's take this super chat from uh, Matios, who says, I think people are just mad for no reason with Gabriel. The guy was impressive yesterday. He just needs to calm down a notch sometimes. Yeah, you're, you're right that he does need to calm down a little bit. You're right that he can be a little bit rash. You're right that he can be a bit reckless. But you take that out of his game, you take away half of what's good about Gabriel. His aggression is something that very often sees him come out on top in certain duels. His aggression is very much something that Mikel Arteta wants in the side. His aggression balances out with Saliba's greater composure and gives us a very effective central defensive partnership at the moment. I don't understand the criticism of Gabriel. I don't understand why people are saying he's a poor defender. I think what's a fairer way of putting it is he's quite rash. And he, you know, he causes you to to worry, causes Arsenal fans a bit of an anxiety, maybe, um, in certain moments, because you never know what he's going to do. And and there have been moments of madness. As I said on the show yesterday, okay, he's probably lucky that he didn't get sent off for the way he reacts to Bamford. Now, some will say it's a kick. Others will say he was dragging his leg down. You know, whatever way you look at it, he could have quite easily been sent off for that. Thankfully, the foul from... Um, you know, from uh, from Patrick Bamford came first, and VAR was on hand to spot that first. Um, but yeah, look, he he was slightly fortunate with regards to the red card being rescinded. But the rest of it, you know, he, he deserved what he got. And and overall, his performance yesterday was solid. Man, we ran through the numbers yesterday, and and you can't argue with them. He was better than Saliba yesterday, and you know when when the whole debate comes up about gabriel um or or when there's a moment that's questionable involving william saliba like we saw yesterday where i thought he made a couple of mistakes everybody says oh yeah well you know what he's still young he's still in his early 20s you know that we got to give him the benefit of the doubt gabriel's only 24 man like the guy is is still young himself the guy only turned you know 24 last december he's he's a young man still he's developing he's coming towards his peak years but he's not there yet he needs to refine his game in certain ways but as i say if you take that aggression out of gabriel it's not the same player and he's no he's no way near as effective as he can be today so yeah i'm not going to get on gabriel's back too much people say oh he'll eventually he'll cost us maybe he will eventually make a big mistake that costs us but it's, it's risk and reward, right? That's the risk you take to have a front foot defender, um, you know, like uh, like Gabriel. And and a lot of the time, the fact that he is so f- on the front foot is what allows us to squeeze up into the, the opposition's half. And it's what allows us to dominate possession in the opposition half in the way that we've done so frequently so far this season. Um, Dave Atkinson says, Harry, if that's a red card, then I'm going to stop watching football. Look. I don't think that there was enough there to warrant a red card. But I think based on what we've seen in recent years, if you do kind of make that kicking out motion, then you're giving the referee a decision to make. And unfortunately, over the years, we've seen that only go one way. Now, again, if I were the referee, I wouldn't send him off. But I think you can understand why Leeds were asking for it. The problem was that Bamford had committed a foul in the first place. And um, and that's what got us off the hook in the end. But it was still stupid from Gabriel. It was still needless from Gabriel. And it was still Gabriel who, you know, lost his head in that situation. Patrick Bamford knew exactly what he was doing. Gabriel was rattled. Gabriel was, was wound up and almost, almost pressed the self-destruct button. Um, but as I say, he was fortunate in that the foul had occurred first. And he was fortunate that you know, VAR was in play because people keep banging on about how much better the game would be without it. Well, I beg to differ because we wouldn't have an extra two points on the board uh, if it wasn't in play yesterday. Okay, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you all so, so, so much uh, for tuning in and joining me. Always appreciated. Please uh, do leave a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. And if you're listening Uh, From wherever you get your podcast, make sure you leave us a review there as well. My thanks to all the guys in the live chat, guys and girls in the live chat. My thanks uh, to everybody who contributed with a comment. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. All the best. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.